He's an old head. Youngins are really starting to get on my damn nerves. He's a purveyor of nonsense. He's a Georgia high school coaching job influencer. His favorite Bible verse is Jesus wept. He's the man of constant sorrow, Chris Lamb. Hey, this is episode five of Sun Coaches Podcast, and today we have got the one, the only, the incomparable Kevin W. Stevenson. W stands for one Hema State Championship a couple of weeks ago. I've known Kevin for 24 years. We met at the GACA clinic 24 years ago and have been best friends ever since. I couldn't be more proud for somebody to finally got him one. 98% of the stories that I tell people that I've been involved with, my alter ego that shows up at clinics and out-of-town dates was created with this guy. I hope you enjoy our guest today, Coach Stevenson. Glad to have you on, my guy. Yeah, uh, man, it's, it's an honor to come on here and, you know, be able to speak a little bit and talk about you know the world of coaching and and um you know what a lot of people don't understand is they just see the final product on fridays they don't see all the behind the scenes stuff that uh coaches do and you know dealing with parents administrators and just the camaraderie that you have with other coaches you know throughout the state and getting to know people and you know, um, you know, just I go back and think about from year one of people that I met there and the relationships that I gained there to where I am now. You know, I'll see somebody and say, oh, man, I remember you, you used to work for so-and-so and all that stuff like that. So I just I think coaching is a full circle. It all comes around and, you know, it comes back together. And, but, man, I tell you what, it's been it's been good good to me and uh like i said I, we we were fortunate enough to win a state championship this year it was even more special that you know my son he plays on the team he's the kicker and so i don't know who was more nervous me or him when he was doing the kicking in the state championship game <laughs> he had a he had a chance to win it and uh they they did a good job of getting penetration and blocking it and but then I'm just sitting there thinking in the back of my mind, like, buddy, you better make every one of them extra points in overtime. <laughs> it's going to be over with. Yeah. Whereas I, I may be looking for another job. <laughs> so, so, but anyway, he did good. He's a, he's a year year older. You know, last year he panicked a little bit. We got an overtime game last year against Dooley. And he missed some field goals and, and whatnot, but he's been he's been good this year. He's I'm proud of him. He's uh, worked hard, and you know he's kicked a lot of them in the end zone this year. He's he's getting better at that. You know we need to get him next year. We can kick them all in the end zone and, and whatnot. But uh, you know that's a year older. He'll get better. So, my man, I'm just I'm just absolutely proud. I, it's people do not understand. Winning a state championship, all the things that goes into it, it's just, it's everything's got to line up. You got to have good.
good administration. You got to have good coaching staff. You got to have players that's going to do what you tell them to do. You got to have great community that stands behind you. And I've been at a lot of places, and here at Pierce, it's it's just like it was just different. The the parents, what they did for our kids, and the things we ask of our kids, they do everything we ask them to do. We got a good staff that works together. You know, Coach Aaron has just – I fully enjoy working for him this year. He is a heck of a daggum football coach. And, you know, and I've worked for some good ones, and he's just – he does a good job. And and um, I'm I'm very blessed to be here and being able to, to work with him. And it's just – you you sit down and you have to pinch yourself like, man, it's, did you really win that thing? You know, can I wake <laughs> up? Did, did it really occur? And it goes by fast, too. You just – so I've, you know, I've been out of town a little bit. I've been on what I've called my state championship vacation tour. I went out to California, <laughs> California to go see my sister, and then I went down to the Fernandina Beach for a little bit, enjoyed my time there. And man, I met some guys down there from up there around Gainesville, Georgia. And I, oh my gosh, they, we had he had some really good stories. He had some great Mike Bobo stories. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I got a good one, too, from, you know, uh, one time when we were we with, with Bobo at the clinic one time, he was identified as a tennis player. So, but Yeah, I remember uh, that. <laughs> but anyway, we, uh, he got, I told him that story, and he got to laugh, and he's like, man, he said that was great. But, man, I'm uh, we, go, we go back to work tomorrow, and so it's been – it's been real, you know. Um, wow, man, you go go everywhere here in town, and people say, "Man, good job, coach," you know, and whatnot. But you know, it takes effort from everybody, I and mean, people just don't understand that. You know, we we as coaches, we talk about you know jobs that come open and places to coach at and stuff like that. You know, you get some of these coaches, they go, "Oh man, I can win there." What? You know, it, it's a little bit more than having good athletes to win games. You got to have a whole variety of things that go into it to well, win it. Well, I know when you first started, you started with the legendary Buddy Sorrow at East Lawrence. Oh, man. Look here. Buddy Sorrow, if you can survive coaching with Buddy Sorrow, you are going to be a good season coach. He is. Look, his motto was work hard, play harder. And that's what we did. We 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 worked hard. We enjoyed one another, you know, working with each other and you know, you just uh you gotta you know, you you it was it was my first, you know, varsity coaching job, my first year coaching. You know, I went to the clinic with him and that's of course that's where me and you met each other. You was uh over in Worth and you know, we watched the sun come up talking about football and stuff like that. You know, just being around those guys, and I was fortunate to be around some guys that had been coaching for a while, you know, like John Peacock and Bob Griffith and Milt Miller. You know, I, I did my student teaching in, in Lowndes County and had a chance to meet Milt, you know, down there. And I did some student teaching at Hay Hire and just being around those guys, you know, Milt helped me get my first job at East Lawrence because he worked with Buddy a long time ago at, you know, in, in Appling County when Griff was the head coach there. 
So it's just, man, it's just working with him. I learned a lot of stuff. He was very simple, you know. Uh, he was a too tight wishbone guy, you know, and you wasn't going to practice no longer than two hours. And, you know, you get late in the year, an hour and a half. And so we was at camp one time and buddy goes out there and we're, we're at the, we're down in Cuthbert, Georgia. If anybody knows where Cuthbert, Georgia is, it's in the middle of nowhere. They got a big old <laughs> water tower in the middle of the road. So when you pull up, you have to either go right or you go left. You know, you just, and there's people sitting all around the water tower there. And so we was over at Andrew College. And so uh, my first trip, we went down there and Buddy said, we're taking our weights. I mean, we loaded up our weight room and took it with us. I've never seen that before. So <laughs> that was the old school room. right there, baby. Oh, man. We practiced four days, four times a day. You know, we got up early in the morning at 6 o'clock practice. Then we had we ate breakfast, and then we had uh, uh, special teams practice, and then we lifted weights in the afternoon. We practiced at night. My favorite practice was the night practice because I felt like we got a lot of stuff done. And that morning practice was okay. The worst one was the midday practice. I hated that practice. I just it was terrible. It was hot and kids were miserable. I was miserable. Everybody was miserable. But anyway, we sitting down there on the dummies and the guy for Lovejoy uh, was sitting there and he said, "Yeah, we got to go get our guys. We got to get the computers. We got to do our practice schedule." But he said, "Hey, want me to show you my practice schedule?" He reached up in the top of his hat and pulled out an index card that had like four lines on it. He said, that's my practice schedule. So I, I thought that was pretty funny. That that's, that just goes back to the old school, old way of, you know, doing things and, and whatnot. And, you know, you just, oh, man, I, I'll sit here and think about how football has changed. You know, we had VHS tapes, and that's what we did. That's what we met. We watched those, and we had to dub them up and, and all that stuff like that and you know it's uh it was definitely definitely quite interesting coaching back then you know because you know technology has taken us a long way and made things a little bit easier I had to do a little bit more work would learn how to do all that stuff but it was it was definitely different back then so. well going to the clinic with buddy was always a large time i remember we went to athens and uh, we ended up at the grill like two o'clock in the morning, and I think it was like two thousand or two thousand and one, two thousand and two, and emo kids were a big deal, and we're sitting in there, and those emo kids come in, and Buddy's like, "Look at these guys!" <laughs> Me and you were like, "Oh my God, we're going to have to fight our way out of here," because oh, Buddy didn't like care. <laughs> no, he did not. He was like, uh, I remember one time we went to, uh, oh my gosh, we were, we were went to Huddle House, and let's see, John Peacock and, and and Jimmy Williams and all of us and Joel Watson, we were we were all in there eating, and uh, he'd always whistle, order up. That waitress came over there and said, if you say that one more time, we're going to throw all y'all out. And John Peacock said, oh, hell, I'm about to lose my meal because I just got it. I, he's fixing to say it again. And I'm just sitting over there just to eat. And sure enough, order up. Y'all got to get 
go. <laughs> so, but oh man, and then we would we would have um, we went to one place and uh, we had coach with us, and they didn't want to let him in, and I think there was like. 60, 70 head of coaches, and they said, by gosh, if this place ain't good enough for him, ain't good enough for us, we'll just get up on our walk out. So, And, uh, yeah, I remember the good old van trip. There was, they had uh, some old, uh, we had some people caught a ride with us, and they were talking some trash in there. And I think I pulled out the Roy Mercer my gosh, how big of a girl are you up there? You know, so, Back when the cheerleading coaches would be at oh the my, clinic. Oh, my with God. Us. Worst thing in the world I could ever do is put them there. You know, just don't show up with no naked shoulders. Now, if you had naked shoulders, they wouldn't get bit. I'm just going to leave that. I'm just going to leave that right there. I'm not going to go any further with that, with that conversation right there. Well, going into vans, you ended up after East Lawrence. Didn't you go to Brantley County with a – with uh Sean Pender and that crew down there? Yes, I went to uh I went to Brantley County. <coughs> I had not a clue. I knew nothing about Brantley County. Okay, so you know, I knew a little bit about it, you know. The ass kicking ditch chickens. Oh my lord. So look here. So Sean, I went to college with Sean and, and I, I knew him from when he played at BSU and, and he got his first head coaching job over there and he was looking for some coaches and stuff and I was looking to get back to South Georgia, you know, and so um, went down there and interviewed with him and, you know, took the job down there and went to spring practice and, oh, my Lord, they had like a 28-game losing streak. and They had some – I mean, they were, we had some decent-sized kids and some different players and stuff like some pretty good players. And I knew we were in trouble when one of our best players got he got put in off school because he decided he's going to steal somebody's wallet something while we were at practice or during P or something. I can't remember what it was. But he was like on a third strike type thing. So we lost him and we lost two other guys. One guy went to Camden to go play baseball. He transferred over there because his mama moved that way. And so, you know, um, we're at that first workout and uh, we're sitting there and, you know, we're um, – you know, we go to workouts that morning, and, and so we we go go out to the field, and the the guy that he used to be strength conditioning coach at, at uh, George Southern, Bobby Steiner, he was playing there at the time, and he came up to me and said, "Coach, uh, we got a problem." I said, "What is it?" Bobby said, "Contrail stuck." I said, "What what is it? Got his car stuck in the mud?" I mean, what? He said, "No, coach, he's stuck." in the river on a stump and he won't get off. I said, you're kidding me, right? I said, y'all just left him out there. He said, well, coach, we had to come to practice. We didn't want to be late. I said, you just left your guy out there. So I got in my car, I went out there to the river, and pulled up and sure enough, Con, he, he's sitting out there on the top of a stump. And he said, I said, what are you doing? He said, coach, I can't swim. <laughs> I said, I said, well, why did you get out? He said, well, I was, I was, I was on a raft, and I jumped on the stump, and they left me, coach. I said, okay. So I got out there in the river. I said, crap. 
I hope I don't get eaten by an alligator. My, my coaching career will be short-lived real quick. So I swam out there, and I got to swimming, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I got up there, I was like, Contra, I don't know if we can make it. And I stood up, and the, way, the water was waist high. I said, get off the stump, you big dummy. I said, you can walk into the shore. <laughs> oh, man, Coach, the water was dark. I couldn't see the bottom. And I was like, oh, my Lord. So that was, oh, my, that was definitely a we, were, we were playing, I think, see, I'm trying to think who we were. We were either playing Cook or Irwin. And y'all had a staff. It was we had Richard Lawson, Coach Lawson. Oh, Richard Lawson, yes. You had Vic Parker. Well, no, Vic, Vic didn't come until '06. He, uh, we had Harville. He's over in Bainbridge with Jeff Littleton and them now. And we had Coach Goss. He was our offensive line coach. And, um, we had Coach Walker was our running backs coach. He worked with me over here at Pierce this past year. And um, was Mentier with y'all then? No, Mentier. He he was he didn't come in until like oh five or oh six, I believe is when he came in. Um, but uh, we had we were playing, and you know, Coach Lawson was defense corner, and I coached defensive line, and so we were playing in a game, and I was I was up top, and he called a stunt, and young man blitzed, and it was perfect. I mean, we had it set up perfect it would have been tackle for loss he runs right by the kid and lawson called the kid over that to the sideline and said son what what are you doing why, why didn't you tackle the guy he looked at him he said well i blitz coach you you wanted me to tackle him like <laughs> <laughs> the look on richard lawson's face was priceless he's like yeah <laughs> he said you know the purpose of playing football is to tackle the other team when they have the football. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of times. I mean, we had to do a lot of work there. So, he, I mean, it was just, it was, it was a chore. And I, well, it's good folks there, man. I enjoyed my time. What about the kid there. that went to go get the ball that time and did, he got, I, didn't he get bid or something? Well, we had, we had this kid. Uh, now my second now believe this or not I went through two tours of duty at Brantley County so the first time I was there I left and went to Brunswick and worked with Coach Freeman and then I came back which I got some great stories about Brunswick High I came back to Brantley and that's when Vic and them was there and so Coach Pender would always take the offense down there and they worked two minute drill stuff on that end and if you wasn't playing you wasn't involved in the first offense. You'd come down there with us, and we'd do conditioning. And so me and Vic was down there, and we, we had them conditioning back and forth, back and forth. And the kid comes back, and he says, Coach, I got bit by a, a, a rattlesnake. Vic said, man, there ain't no rattlesnake down there. I mean, he asked another kid. He said, do you see a rattlesnake down there? And the kid said, no, no I, I don't see nothing, Coach. And, so he takes off and he goes back and he comes back and he said, coach, I got bit again. And I looked at him. I said, Vic, that kid's been bit by a snake. I mean, that's a snake bite. So Vic goes down there and looks and sure enough, his daggum pygmy rattler was down there. And so 
he was like, holy crap, we, we may need to call 911. So we called 911, and the boy's daddy was out there in the truck watching practice. He comes up there. So the ambulance shows up, and the daddy goes out there, and he gets the snake. He wrangles up the snake and whatnot. And so they put the kid in the back of the ambulance, and they did whatever they had to do. He had to go to the emergency room and stuff like that. And a couple of weeks later, you know, we got done with the season and stuff, and the kid comes up, and he, uh, the, well, not the kid, but the daddy comes up to Coach Pender, and he's got this plaque, and he's taken the snake that he had, he took it to a taxidermist and got him mounted on a plaque. <laughs> and he said, Coach, if you don't mind at the banquet, can you give this to my son, you know, for like, I don't know, maybe the toughest kid, or we'll just call it the Rattlesnake Award. <laughs> and so sure enough, his daddy gave him, I mean, we, we gave him the award at the banquet, the Rattlesnake Award. So um, this is also the same daddy who we, we was out there watching practice one day. And if you've ever been to Brantley County, it's like in the middle of a swamp. You know, there's swamp land all around it, and our field is... Our football field was on what they, I guess, was they used to call an old oxidation pond that was there behind the school, a runoff pond. And they filled it up with dirt and they built a football field there, uh, practice fields. And so I'm sitting over there with the offense, I mean, the defensive line, and, and I'm working, you know, my drills and my reads and stuff like that. And I hear this god awful noise in the woods out there. And all of a sudden, here comes this daggum big old hog with these tuskies. And he's running across the field. I said, holy crap. Because, you know, those things, they'll kill you. So I started running, you know, immediately. And then all of a sudden, I looked up. And these bloodhounds come rolling by me. Well, this kid's daddy had brought his dogs to practice. And he then went back there, let them dogs out. And that it goes. They went out in the woods. And the swamp area, and they chasing that dog, and he reaches in the back of his tray, takes his gun, and there he goes through the swamp out there. And I look at Mentir, and I said, "You got to be kidding me! Did I just did, did I just see that right there? I mean, did this guy did, did, <laughs> did, did, did a hog just come by me with some big old tuskies, and these dogs go and chase this? And then so later on, we finished practice and everything." And, we hear these gunshots back there. And guy comes back and said, man, I got that hog. He said, y'all better get ready. Y'all going to have some good lunch on Friday. So he goes and kills a hog and cooks the hog and brings us meat on Friday. And that's what we ate for lunch on Friday. So, <laughs> you know, you just, you, I mean, people look at me when I tell these stories and they say, coach, you are you're making this stuff. No, I'm not. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I just. And in I between your my, stints at Brantley County, you went and worked for another legend, the Hammer, yeah. Coach Maurice Freeman at Brunswick High School. Yes, I did. Now, man, I tell you what, I like Maurice. He's he's a good football. He's a great motivator. You know, he, he, um, he knows how to get those kids to play. He does a phenomenal job, and you know, it, it, you know, 
we always talk about fits of coaches at different places, you know. And what Coach Freeman does at Brooks, he's a great fit at Brooks. He was, he's from there. He grew up there. He knows everybody. He went to school there, mamas and daddies. He's starting to teach, uh, coach second-generational kids. He's got, you know, Chris Colson is coming through there now and, and whatnot. And he came into Brunswick, and, um, you know, coach, the legend coach Willis, he'd been there forever. And so anytime you follow a guy like that, it's always kind of hard because everybody's so used to coach Willis and what he did. And Freeman came in and I, and I thought he did as good a job as you could do there. And, and to do it, because, you, you know, when you take jobs, you always want to follow the guy that followed the guy. You don't want to be the guy that followed the guy, you know, uh, you always want to be that that second coach after. You don't want to be the coach after because sometimes they don't, you know, the percentage of being successful is kind of hard. So, anyway, we, oh, my goodness, we had a first year there. We had uh, we had uh, this young man, we called him the monkey foot, and uh, he was, every time he talked to you, he'd say, hey, coach, how are you doing? And he'd end every sentence with quotations. And uh, he would just talk, and, and I was just like, oh, my goodness, I mean, who is this kid right here? And so um, one day we were taking pictures because what we did, this is back when we still have football camp and stuff, so we stayed at the gym there. And, and so about the, you know, on that Thursday we'd have football pictures, and then we finish up Friday morning and have like a little inter-squad scrimmage, and then Freeman would let everybody go. And so Thursday we were taking pictures, and – so we had all the kids in the gym and stuff like that. So to kind of fast forward a little bit, uh, our trainer, uh, Miss Linda, she was, oh, man, she was great. She would always did stuff for the kids and everything. I mean, she was a really good trainer. And so she was out there in the field house. They just built a new field house at Brunswick High, and she was in the new field house. And she was in the training room, and, 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 and Monkey Foot comes through, the, the locker room and she's thinking all right so pictures is over we got to start getting ready because as soon as we finish pictures we're going to go out and practice and whatnot and so she's getting her ice and stuff together so Mike Foot come up to her and said can I can I borrow your phone for a second I said yeah so um she he started talking to whoever on the phone and he you know gave her the phone back he says you wouldn't happen to have a hammer around here, would you? She said, Joffrey, why do you need a hammer? He said, I just need to use it for a minute. She said, yeah, we got one in the equipment room in there. So he goes and gets Cameron. So she got to thinking, uh, why is this kid wanting a hammer? And so he goes, she goes, uh, he goes, she says, why are you using that hammer? He says, well, we were in there getting ready to take pictures, and Randall popped me in the back of the head, and I ain't about to be disrespected like that. And he said, so I came out here, and I wasn't going to disrespect the Brunswick High uniform, and I took my uniform off, changed into my street clothes. I'm going to take this hammer. I'm going to go bust him in the back of the head. <laughs> so... Linda, one thing you didn't know about Miss Linda, she's black. She was a black belt karate, and she hit him with the karate chop, <laughs> and she started 
stealing the hammer from him. And it got, they just, they started wrestling out there and she hit him with the Judy Chop and the Judy Chop and it just, it, oh my goodness. And then she wrestled it from him. When he takes off, she gets on the phone trying to call Coach Freeman. Then she gets, then about that time, one of the other coaches pull up, two of the coaches pull up because they had to go home and go get their stuff for pictures. And he's going across to the gym, and he stops at the portable and gets a, a cement brick. So he, now we have resulted from a hammer to a concrete <coughs> brick. So Monkey Foot he, was serious about getting that lick back. Serious was uh, – look, Monkey Foot was going to get his back. So the basketball <laughs> coach – tackles him and wrestles the brick from him, gets him down. And so Coach Freeman comes out and he says, what are you doing, monkey foot? He's like, Coach, I called my brother Quan. He's going to come up here and take care of business. But he couldn't do it because he was babysitting. And he told me to just get a hammer or a brick and just take Randall out. And he said, why are you doing that? He said, because he just he disrespected me, Coach. And oh my goodness, so Coach Freeman, he had to deal with that. He he ran Monkey Foot, made him roll, do some other stuff. And, and he said, Monkey Foot, you do that again, now you got to go to the house. You can't, you can't be, you know, attacking other kids. I mean, these are your teammates. So <laughs> we, we had to deal with that. And, oh can't be going gosh. after people with hammers and bricks. No, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't know. Maybe that's what Coach Freeman got his hammer. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe Monkey Foot inspired him to use the hammer. I don't know. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, oh my goodness, we we had the first year we had some decent kids, but in the middle school we had some kids that were coming and they were going to be good because uh, we watched them play and stuff like that. So the the next year we had a very talented freshman group come up and. So we were sitting in our football meeting, and I told him, I said, this kid, I, I'm not going to name this kid because he's a pretty famous kid right now. I, I'm not – I don't want to throw out no hot copyrights or anything <laughs> and be like an Aaron Rodgers or anything like that. But anyway, they um, they were sitting there, and uh, I told him, I said, look, this kid's going to be special. I said, he's, he's good. He can run. He can, he can catch. I said, he's going to be our running back for us over with. And um, they said, nah, I mean, he's a freshman. He's not going to be able to play. I said, I'm just telling you. So we get into about game four. And he plays defense, too. I mean, he played, he, they played him at some corner and stuff. And so this kid, well, first of all, he would show up late to practice, and I'd make him roll every day he'd come out there and i had a rule when when coach freeman blew that whistle and because we go what we have we call pre-practice and so i'd always take running backs over there to the side we work all our drills and ball handling skills and stuff like that and i told him i said if you're not here on time you roll and so he would be like the practice i'm he i make him roll from the fence where you enter the field at he'd get there and so I'd intentionally, I'd move. I'd get to another area. As soon as he get close to me, I'd move somewhere. So I made him roll for him, you know. And he gets so mad at me. And uh, so anyway, 
we were playing in the middle of a game, and we were playing, I believe it was playing Windsor Forest, or Beach, no, it was Beach High School. And so he had to, our running back got hurt, so we moved him to running back. And man, he had almost 180-something yards rushing. He returned an interception for a touchdown. He had a punt return for a touchdown. He had a kickoff for a touchdown. He's the first kid I've ever seen. We ran a tall sweep with him, and he reversed the field like five or six different times, and he scored. I was like, holy crap. So we get in the fourth quarter, and so granted, he's freshman. I got the only other two running backs I got behind him were, were freshmen too, and because our other two running backs they were hurt, and so we got we go out on the field, and I got looking back there. And quarterback's got his hands up, and they want to know where the running backs at. So I get looking, Mike. Maybe he's up here getting water. So I get to searching the sideline and get to looking and, you know, get to seeing, you know, where he's at. And I don't see him. I'm like, where did he go? He didn't go back to the locker room, you know. So I look over on the sideline and I looked underneath the bench and I saw some feet. I said, what is that? So I went over there and I got to pulling away some. We had trash bags that, like, if it started raining, we put footballs and stuff in that, pulling that stuff up. And this young man was hiding underneath the bench. I said, what are you doing, son? He's like, Coach, the moment's just too big. I, I don't know if I can do this. I said, son, you have scored a touchdown in every facet of the game. What do you mean it's too big for you? Coach, I just, I, I just can't do it. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So, you know, this kid, phenomenal player. You know, it just goes to show you that freshmen, sometimes it just gets too big for them. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And so this, this young man today is just, he is making a lot of money in the NFL playing. And, you know, he came and saw me one time. And I, we got to talking about that story. And he got to laughing. He's like, man, I remember the times you used to make me roll every day. I was like, yeah, so, but. He was he was definitely man. I, I just I knew he is he is probably him and I got another kid uh, the, uh, Ty. He plays for the Forty ers and Trey Jackson. He played for the Patriots and uh, Dietrich Mills. I had him over in Waycross and he played for a short period of time in the NFL. So. I've been blessed with some good players. I've been around some good players and stuff, and they, oh, my goodness, every single one of them is different. You know, Frank Frank Stevens always used to have the great motto of, you know, you you, go, you got three different types of players. You got Lamborghinis, you got Camaras, you got pickup trucks, and you got Volkswagens. Those Lamborghinis look good. They sound good. Boy, they are high maintenance. It takes a lot to change that oil every day, you know. So those kids, they, you know, you got a good philosophy of you can't, you got to be fair, but you can't treat them the same because they all different, you know, because they all grow up different. They, they, they come from different backgrounds and they're raised differently, and you know, so you know. How you handle your kids is what's really, really important. 
in coaching football. You got Ed Dudley said it best of anybody. He had this thing above his office. It said, uh, "Doctor of Psychology." It, you know, it's psychological. Every day at football practice, got to be psychological warfare. Sometimes you got to trick kids into being great. You know, and that's what you got to do. So. But so you headed back. Person. You headed back to Brantley, and Vic's there. And I remember us being at the clinic, riding through downtown Atlanta in the Brantley County van, and Vic Parker about getting us killed. <laughs> too fast, too furious in downtown Atlanta, Jack. Well, we're 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 going out to eat, and Vic pulls up to this car and I'm pretty sure that these young men next to us were probably involved in some extracurricular activity that uh, we didn't need to be two, involved in one or two words and we could have become a statistic in Atlanta <laughs> uh, and he looks over there and he says well, my gosh who are you I'm like Vic. We don't need to have this conversation. I mean, we we need to get, we need to get out of this thing unscathed. And so he gets talking to these guys, and I'm pretty sure they probably they 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 they, they probably had a way to protect themselves. And I'm just gonna <laughs> leave it at that. And so I told I told I said Vic, you got. And so he's wanting to write hey, he's I said, Vic, you can't race people in this, this school van. It's got Brandon County on that. You gonna get all of this fire. So, but anyway, he, you know, he was he was that. And then, you know, another great story. And you know, is we were we were at a camp, you know, and watching, you know, football down VSU. And, and so, Vic, Vic, they go. You know, we were leaving. We were going to go over to another coach's buddy's house and, you know, hang out over there. So, Vic gets to driving the truck, and he misses where he's going. And I'm like, where is Vic and him going? So, Vic goes down to the end of the cul-de-sac. He goes down there and turns around down there. He comes back. There's, like, mud all over the truck and whatnot. And. I said, Vic, what in the heck did you do? He said, man, I, I forgot there was a cul-de-sac down there, so I turned around in this guy's yard down there. He's going to be pissed at me. I messed all his landscaping stuff up. And I said, yeah. I said, I, I'd be a little upset too, you know. So we go go out there the next day and we watch the practice and stuff. And, uh, uh, Hatcher, who is at Ace now, he was out there. And he got to talking. He's like, man, he said, I hate living in, he said, you know, I love Valdosta, he said, but these, he said, man, these college kids, man, they just do anything today. And so he got to talking a little bit, and, you know, he said, man, I woke up this morning and went outside, these daggum kids have done ran into my yard and tore <laughs> every bit of my landscape. <laughs> and I spent thousands of dollars on my yard. <laughs> and so I said, I said, I said, Coach, where do you live at? He said, Oh, I live down there in Remerton down there. He said, You go down past Todd, the Todd's house, and go down to the cul de sac, and you, know, you go down there. And I, I, 
Tanner and Pinner looked at me, and I just had to walk away because I'm pretty sure that I can neither confirm nor deny that Big Parker probably has something to do to turn around in that man's yard. So, but, <laughs> Awful you know, coincidence if it was. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying I can neither confirm nor deny that, that story. <laughs> so, but he is, he, you know, it's just, oh, my goodness, we had – we had some good times. I had some good times with them. They were working with them because I went to college with Dick. You know, Mentir, he was, he's from up north, and he's, you know, he, he he's a pocky car type guy, and, and he's, you know, he's a good, good football coach. I, I always like, you know, working with him, and, and he, um, but we all, I mean, we always had, had a good time, and, and we, you know, we took, we went to the playoffs for the first time in history down there in, in 06 and you know you talk about this everything's got to line up and you know we had to beat Appleton County in the last game to to get in you know to the playoffs and stuff and that gun we beat them and then we go to Jefferson County and play there uh, you know we beat them and they had some really good players yeah I went to that game and so you know, uh, I you know, and then we go down to to Great Blakely, Georgia, and play ET, and we were beating them at halftime. And then all of a sudden, he decided that he needed to start playing some football. He had like three hundred yards passing and two hundred something yards. He, young man had like five hundred something yards total offense. It was just unbelievable. I, I knew the game was over with when he took off down the sideline and got scrambling around. And he run into the end zone, and he dove from the five-yard line and turned the flip into the end zone. And I was like, oh, get the buses ready. It's time to get out of here. <laughs> so, I, but that was, that was pretty good there. But uh, Well, some of our best times that we've ever had were at the clinic, and I'll never forget the time that we – left out of Cowboys and got in the Camden County Cheerleaders Crown Vic. And there was a collection. I mean, we always found ourselves around people that, like the next day, we'd look at each other like, how did we end up with those people? Yeah. And, and we get in the car with about 24 state championship rings. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we 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 get ready to leave, and some kind of way our ride had left us. That I, yeah, that like, that happened. I'm like, I'm like, Lamb, how are we gonna get back? And so we we saw, I believe it was part of one of them guys, and said, Coach, can we catch a ride with y'all? And so we got in there, and we were bodies on top of bodies in there. We was in there like a bunch of sardines. And, and so one of the great legends was in there, and we were driving. And one of them said, well, if they pull us over, we ain't got our seatbelt on. I said, by God, all you got to do is show them the state championship rings. I think they'd all understand. We, <laughs> we had just trying to get on. We had Steve Pardue, oh, Lee Campbell, yeah. Larry Campbell. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I mean, that's that's like, let's see. Twelve five two, seven. That's nineteen right there. Yep. Um, crap. Somebody else was in there. 
I don't. I'm trying to. Might have been Raven Teague. Yeah, Ra- yeah, Raven Teague was with us too. So. That was, and then us two jackasses in yep. there. Uh, yeah, we were the odd men out. Yeah. Well, you when ain't was, now. <laughs> when I was walking off the field uh, after the game, I saw Coach Pardue, and I was talking to him. And I told him, you know, I, you know, we just talked. He said, well, "You look kind of familiar." I was like, "Yeah." I said, "I used to work with Buddy Sarla." He said, "Oh yeah, yeah." I said, "Well, I guess I can join the. I guess I can join the the circle of coaches now that's won state championships." So, but. It's uh, well, you know, spent hanging out, with, hanging out with those, uh, hanging out with those guys, man. Just like your Ed Pilchers and all them guys, man. They just sit down and talk to you about football and stuff like that. So that's what I like about those guys. Well, they always treated us like regular guys. I remember we were down at the bubble one time, and me and you were kind of just doing our thing, and it was late and. Coach Pilcher and them were like, Milton and them were like, hey, Chris, Kevin, y'all come over here and sit with us. And, you know, they were, why don't y'all ever come hang out with us? And we were like, because y'all are y'all and y'all are legends. And they're like, oh, no, we're just regular guys, man. Hang out. And and they were. You know, they treated us like, you know, they just wanted people to hang out. And, you know, we just sat until about three or four in the morning and, Learned that the GACA never ran out, and they just, you know, told us stories and stuff, and we sat and listened. Yeah, they, you know, the thing about listening to those guys is they would, you know, people go to clinics, and they want to go in there and sit, and I'm not saying, you know, going and listening to college coaches and stuff like that ain't good, because you do learn stuff, you know, I listen to I listened to Kirby Smart talk when he first got to Georgia and he talked about his special teams. He's like, when I got to Georgia, we were god-awful in special teams. And he talked about how he got with an analyst with the Patriots and how they improved in special teams. And I thought it was great. I mean, he he was a keep-it-real guy. And that's the thing I like about Kirby Smart. He's going to keep it real. He's going to tell you like it is of what you need to do to win and what you're going to do to lose if you lose and you know all that stuff like that and and that's great going to listen to those guys because you do learn some stuff from i think the most important thing is the things that you learn after you know sitting down there in the bubble and or sitting down in the lobby and talking to those guys like you you see rights and um you milk millers and all them guys like that because they tell you stuff that you just you just don't know. I mean, as a young younger coach at the time, I was younger in my career, and you just you just don't know, and they tell you about it. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a fraternity of coaches, you know. And now you got some coaches they go to clinics, they don't even talk to you, they care less about who you are and all that stuff like that. And, you know, you got different branches of coaches, and I call it trees of coaches. You know, you have your your you know, you different your Hodges and your 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 Milt Miller groups and your different ones, uh, coaches up in the North Georgia area and stuff like that, um, that have this a this involved in a different I call it fraternity of coaches. And you learn from them guys. They tell you, you know, this is what we did and all this stuff like that. And, you know, and that's that's the that's 
that's what I got the most, and that's what I love about going to clinics, sitting in there talking to those guys. Even today, I mean, I've been coaching for 25 years, and, you know, you're still learning. You're learning stuff new every single day about, you know, at every clinic about how to do things and what you can do and how to become a better coach. So those are the things that I like the most, and that's what I like about the off season is you get to sit down and talk to those guys. And, you know, and they'll invite you. They'll tell you, hey, come to our school. Just, you know, spend the day with us and stuff. And I've done that, you know, when I was when I was at Waycross, I was, you know, I went down and coached middle school football down there for eight years. And, you know, um, I would go and go listen to different other people and stuff like that. And that's one thing I learned from Frank was Frank was that kind of guy. He'd always go and he'd learn something from somebody else about what to do and, and how to do things and stuff like that. So, you know, and that's what I would do. You know, I'd go and talk to different people and, find out things from them and, you know, stuff like that, so. When you left Waycross, you went to Charlton? Yes, I went to, went down to the swamp down there. Um, and I, I, my first year, I was, uh, I was the uh, linebackers coach. And then Coach Jones left. He got, he went to Lowndes county to go coach and then um coach murray um had opportunity to be the offense coordinator there and you know my son he was a freshman in high school and you know um we had some we had some pretty good players we had a large senior class and you know we had elias williams he's in camden county playing football now but had him and he was oh my goodness he as a freshman when I was at Waycross, I remember we played against him, and I saw him. I was like, man, that kid's going to be good. He just was kind of like a draft at the time. You know, he just – he he growed so much. His body was just – you know, it was like a, a, a baby deer. You know, he's just all over the place. And then his freshman year, he struggled a little bit catching and stuff like that. And, but he's still a good player. I mean – play defense he played outside linebacker some for us and and then the next year he was even better you know and so you know i i was sitting there and you know we lining we played him at tight end and stuff like that and i was like you know we was playing against clinch i was like you know the heck with this kid six seven we're gonna line him up wide i'm gonna throw the ball to him and so you know we ended up beating clinch that year for the region championship but he had some great catches in that game and Super, I mean, he is probably one of the most down-to-earth, purest kids I've coached. Just very humble kid. You know, he could talk about how great – he's just not like that. He's just a totally different kid. 6'7 so, makes you a better offensive coordinator, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Cause, <laughs> and I, we, he, we, we called a timeout, and he come over there, and I said, Elias – we about to run the boogity boogity. He says, "What's the boogity boogity?" I said, "Man, you run as fast as you can, and we're gonna throw it up, and you just go get it." And he, we, uh, Jalen threw it up in the air, and he went and got it. And that was the difference in that game because he caught that touchdown pass, and it kind of turned the whole dynamics of that game. And we ended up winning. You know, uh, we drove the ball down inside the 
10, uh, we was probably down to the 20, and uh, we've been running power all game, all game. And we've been working on it throughout the year. And I told Jalen, I said, that end crashes. I said, you just pull it and go. And so he went to go hand it off. And thank goodness the official did. He didn't blow blow it dead. He uh, he pulled it. He was out the back door. And nobody knew he had the ball. He went and scored. And then we ended up stopping him on defense. But that was great there. Just, you know, and that was the first one that Charlton won in a while. And, you know, and it was – it was great. I mean, just being able to call plays and, you know, being able to get them guys and scheme up and all that stuff like that. Well, didn't Char- Charles got like weird geography. Didn't y'all have like kids oh, coming from gosh. all over the place? Look here. So, all right. So you got different parts of Charleston County. You got a place called the Bend. It's the furthest point of the state of Georgia. Like, okay, you got the swamp. If you take the swamp away, then from Charlton to Clinch would only be 30 minutes. And you could go to Valdosta in 45 minutes, you know, easily. But you got a swamp, then you either have to go around the bottom of the swamp or the top half of the swamp. And so they got this place down there. You got Moniac and you got the bend. Well, the bend goes down into Florida and back up. They have no cell phone service down in the bend. I mean, you have to go. They have what they call a cell station. I mean, it's like being in Antarctica or somewhere like that. <laughs> you, know, you, you have a cell station. And, and, you know, I've been that way. You can go that way to go to Valdosta. I've been that way to go to Valdosta before. And the cell station they have there is probably one step away from being something like off the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> And I'm just like, I'm never stopping there. I mean, I'll just do smoke screen. We'll start doing, we'll build a fire and send out some smoke screen. I get some help that way. (laughs) I mean, because you ain't getting in contact with nobody. You could be down there for days before anybody knows you're there. But those kids, we have kids. All right, so those kids. The witness protection program. It is definitely the witness protection program down there. If you want to get off the map, go to the bend, and nobody will ever find you. <laughs> you know, and so you go down into past the bend, and they're actually further to Baker County in Florida. They could go to school there. But those kids have to ride a bus to St. George. That's probably a good twenty-minute ride. And once they get to St. George, it's another thirty minutes to Charlton County High School. So you got some kids that's on the bus for almost 50-something minutes. And so when I was there, I worked in the old school, and which that was definitely an experience for me. I, I, I've never, I'm not, you know, I've heard of, of all kind of different stuff, but, I, you know, I've heard we had this, this guy, we had this girl who had this boyfriend named Porkchop. They called him Porkchop. I don't, but anyway, that's a long story there. But anyway, those kids would have to ride the bus to Charlton County High School, and they'd get off there, and they wonder why those kids. I mean, if you sit me on the bus for fifty-five minutes, I'm, I'm as a, as a, as a young kid, I'm probably gonna probably gonna get a little crazy every once in a while too, you know. But that's a long ride. It's it's quite different there, but. Um, 
that they're they're kind of spread out. They're a little bit kind of somewhat like where where's the same way too. Where is in the middle of the swamp, and so you're you got all the way down from Wearsboro, you go all the way down to the other end to where the river is, where Pierce County's at, and you know there's some you could have some long bus rides there, especially the kids that live on the mainer side. You know you got you got and they can live deep up in the woods there, so there's definitely some uh some long bus rides down in that area and that's the thing about being living in the south you know there's it's not like atlanta you can go to atlanta and within a 10 mile radius you got seven eight high schools well down here high schools about 30 30 to 40 minutes away from each other so you know it just all depends on where you live at tell me about the time in waycross at Ware County where you had to take the kid home and uh, uh, go ahead I'm it, sorry and you had to you know what I'm talking about oh yeah talking about when he took me home yeah yeah he told yeah. me to go home yeah. okay yeah so I had this kid he his ride his mama was working or whatnot, and I told him I said look dude I said I'll take you home I said I'm not going to sit up here for 45 minutes and wait for your mama when I can just take you home. Probably would have been better off waiting for mama to come get him because the the route he took me ended up being about a 35-minute drive. So we we left the school, we went down Corridor Z. I said, you go to school here, live out here? He said, oh, no, no, you got to go down here and take a right. So took a right, went down there, and next thing I know, I'm over there by the hospital. I said, why, why are we about to, why didn't you just tell me to go? He's like, oh, it's just, and so he said, just go on down here and go this way and this way. And so about 30 minutes later, we pulled up at his house. And I said, son, I could have just went down through the four-way, underneath the bridge, took a right, and we've been at your house in five minutes. Oh, well, I didn't know. I, I just took you. I, I told you to go the way the bus takes me home in the afternoon. <laughs> I said, son, your mama can come get you from now on. <laughs> I said, oh, my Lord. He just knew the way the bus went. He said, coach, this is the way the bus takes me home. So, and I, another good story there is my very first year there, I worked at Waycross. We had the Mills kid, and he played at Georgia Tech, and we had Bowles, and we had another kid named Lucius. He's a big old six, four, six, five kid, good little kid. And so, Coach Sharp, I mean, I love Coach Sharp. He's he's um, Shannon Sharp and him's cousin and them, and he's always got great stories to tell, you know, about them growing up and stuff like that. And so um, we were playing in Brantley County, and so. We got done with the game and everything, and so Everett would always drive his truck to to the game, to the to the game, to with the water cow and all that stuff. And so I rode the bus, and so we had several other coaches there. And we had one coach; he would drive. And we got on the bus, and I asked one coach. I said, "All right, we got all our folks," and he said, "Yeah, we got them all, coach." And I was like, "All right," so you know, we all that stuff like that. And, so we got ready. We pulled off, and 
we get down to about Hoboken, which is halfway to Waycross, and we get this phone call from Everett. Everett said, Coach, you uh y'all missing something? I'm like, uh not as I know of. I said, I got my bag and everything. He said, Well, do you think we might should have picked up Holloman, Bowles, Mills, and Lucius? I said, What you mean? He said, They're still here in Brantley County. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Yeah, we can't leave the four best players on the team at the other opponent's house. So we had to we had to go back and get them and uh, turn around and get them because they were kind of important to our football program. <laughs> so, that's why when when I was the next year, uh, you know, when I I coached with Coach Dudley for a little bit and then I went down and coached middle school and did that and you know my son he was growing up I want to spend a little bit more time with them and, and so I was coaching down at middle school and I always had a rule of thumb I said. You know, you always got to make sure you got certain players on the bus before you leave. And so when I had the Castellanos kid, I'd say, Thomas, you here? I'm here, coach. I said, all right, let's go. <laughs> well, when did you cross paths with the great, one of our favorite guys ever, Brian A. Watson? Oh, my goodness. Brian Watson. Uh, by the way, Brian Watson is one of the best cooks that you've ever been around. He would. When we was at work with him at Brunswick, we would – Coach Freeman on Sundays – Oh, was it Brunswick that y'all hooked yes. up? Yeah. So each coach would, you know, cook – would be responsible for cooking Sunday. You know, we would we would cook food up and stuff like that. So Watson, he cooked one Sunday, and I was like, Dadgum, son, maybe you should have – if coaching don't work out, you can always go into culinary arts. You know, he, he could, man, he could cook. And so I I, I had an opportunity to, to work with him there. And, you know, he, uh, oh, man, you talking about he was probably one of the funniest man in life. He, he's got a story for everything. He just, he'd be a good one to get on your, your podcast here because he's definitely got a story, uh, you know, for everything. Yeah, I love Brian. And then I, I remember uh, when uh, – I can't remember where you went to interview, but when you interviewed for the DC job somewhere, and it was a it was a good job, it was a good place, and you got the nickname from Coach Lee Hamner, Sticky Fingers Stevenson. Oh, okay. So, all right. So I went interviewed. I believe it was. I can't remember. It was either Tattnall or somewhere like that. I believe it was. Yeah. And this was so years I, ago. Yeah, so I go and interview and uh we we go down I go in there and I interview and they offer me a job and everything. So you have to go and get all your stuff done and whatnot. And so uh I got a phone call and they said, Coach, we got a problem. We got you know, and this is back in the day when you had to you had to do the roll fingerprints and all that stuff like that. And so he said, "You gotta, you you uh, you gotta come down here, Coach. We got a problem." I said, "What you, What are you talking about?" He said, "Well, we gotta. <laughs> your stuff has came back, and I don't know if we can hire you." I said, "What you mean you can't hire me?" He said, "Man, you." You're wanted in three states for armed robbery. I said, what? <laughs> and I was like, 
I've never robbed a bank before in my life. <laughs> and I was like, so I went and uh, I went down and I talked to the guys and, and they did it again and couldn't find out. There was another Kevin W. Stevenson that was wanted in Texas for several armed robberies. And so apparently they have gotten our names and our stuff mixed up. And because my, I guess when you put all your stuff in and your social security number and all that stuff like that, they they put in the wrong number and it came up and his numbers was close to mine. That's why I thank God for technology today. You know, they just go in there and they do the digital stuff and all that stuff comes up right then. But I was like, oh my Lord. I said, I'm about to never teach ever again because I'm wanted in three states for armed robbery. And hammer, so, hammer, and hammer, sticky. So, what are you doing stealing people's TVs out of the house? <laughs> so, so then he gave me the nickname Sticky and he even got me a shirt. There's a, there's a place in Augusta where he, is, he would say Disgusta. Uh, Disgusta. Uh, so he, we would, and he, he got me a shirt. He said, I got you a shirt, and it was called Sticky Fingers. So that's what they started. He started calling me Sticky Fingers right there, and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> that almost cost you right there. Yeah, there's it never, never a dull moment whatsoever in education. I can tell you that right there. So, And, and you talked earlier about how coaching, you know, comes full circle. And, uh, you know, we hadn't seen each other in a while. And this past year, we hooked back up at the clinic again. And, uh, you know, where I'm at now, RDC is a young guy. And uh, you decided to take it upon yourself to become his life coach. Yes. You know, this young man right here, he, uh, first of all, I, I, he, he's, we were sitting there talking and, he didn't realize yeah. that the clinic is a marathon, not a sprint. Yes, he, he tries to sprint on the first day, and you can't sprint on the first day. It's a mar- it's a marathon. You gotta gotta go through and gotta pace yourself through, and you know there's a lot of stuff you gotta get. You know you go to different meetings and stuff, and you stay up late and all that stuff like that. And so anyway, he he's the first man I've ever known to spend as much money as he has on an Uber. I mean. I said, son, that was probably you spend as much money on an Uber as I got my first paycheck of coaching, you know, <laughs> I mean, teaching, you know. And I said, I'm, I'm about to officially become your life coach. So I, I'll call him every once in a while, and 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 I'll tell him, you know, I'll have to get, I give him advice on different stuff. And what number are we on now? Is it like 24, 25? Oh my lord! Yeah, we got there's a lot of, lot of definitely a lot of stories, you know. And I, that, I, you know, I used to, I, you know, I told you know me and Watson, we always sit down and we joke about this stuff. And Watson said, "Man, I gotta get me a couple credible, one more credible degree so I could, you know, start my book." And so. I could probably write like three or four different books. I could probably write Life of a Coach. I could write about the survival of a coach. I could probably talk about Watch Out because the book Watch Out would be you better watch out because anything can happen, you know. <laughs> tsunami. Um, tsunami. <laughs> you know, you got to watch out. So there's there's all kind of different stuff. Cackle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and – Oh my gosh, I could go into different like 
dealing with parents. Oh my God! You know, we got the only profession, the only profession that I know of, where on Friday night you got folks that will get up there and tell you exactly how what you need to do. I mean, you don't see me down at the medical center of Central Georgia telling the heart surgeon how he needs to do bypass surgery. Well, by gosh, I think that that artery needs to go to the top of the heart instead of the bottom of the heart. You know, or you know, like out behind my apartment area here, they're building a they they're they're building a, a, a another section of apartments back here. And you know, I'm not gonna go out there and tell that guy how he needs to run his electricity out there. I'm like, hey man, you need to I don't think you hooking that thing up right. You know, you know, a couple things could happen and Ass whip could probably be one of them, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, and 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 you just you can't, you know, or you don't you don't see me going out to the local boutique down here and say, hey, I think you need to, you're not ringing that stuff up right. You need to get your iPad, and that's how you need to ring stuff <laughs> up, you know. I mean, you know, um, so there's just, oh my goodness, they're just, you know, it, it coaching is hard. I mean, it's hard, you know, like. I had a girl, you know, she came in and observed me one day and she was talking. She said, she said, she said, you got any words of wisdom for you? And the girl I worked with, she just looked at me. You know, if you ever look at the man with the dog that gives you that look, yeah, that's the look she gave me. I said, yeah, go be a nurse. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no, not really. I said, look, you just got to find you a good school that fits you and you know, you got to, you know, jobs are, you got to find the right fit. You know, coaches go out and they go get jobs and they win at places and they do stuff and they win championships and whatnot. And then all of a sudden they get contacted by these bigger schools or other schools and they offer money and stuff like that to come work there. And they'll go take it and they don't win. And they, oh, he just won because he had that. No, it's because he was a good fit where he was at. You know, it's, I tell y'all, you know, young coaches, I tell them, when you go interview for a job, there's a whole list of stuff you better go ask. You know, like you talk about looking under the hood, you better look under the hood. You know, teams that are not winning, they're winning, they're not winning for a reason. It ain't because they just all of a sudden decide to get bad, you know. There's a reason why they don't win anymore, and it's, you know, it, it could be a series of things. It could be change of administration. It could be schools built in your area, you know, especially Metro Atlanta. You know, I remember back in the day, you know, you had Parkview was the, and they still have good, I mean, they still got good teams and stuff, but they went on that long run there and then they started building all these different schools in Gwinnett County and, you know, different stuff like that. And I remember when Buford was just a class A school and, you know, now they're in the highest classification. So, I mean, there's, there's all kind of things that you better look at when you go take a job. And so, you know, like somebody asked me the other day, they said, coach, you ever want to be a head coach? I said, heck to the night. Where I'm at right now and what I'm doing, I mean, I get up, I go coach, teach elementary kids every day. I have the time of my life. I work for a good head coach. I have the time of my life working with him, and and I enjoy my time with them. And You know, I get to coach my son. My son enjoys it here. And he has a great time here. And 
you know, you, you can't – the experience he had this year, I wouldn't give a million dollars for. It was one of the greatest things that he's had opportunity. And Luke Joker, he's probably one of the luckiest kids I've ever known because less than seven months ago he won a state championship at baseball at Charlton County when we was down there. So he's he's going to get two rings in less than seven months. So, But – it was a great, you know, it's a great experience, you know, and it's, you know, sometimes sitting in that seat and having head beside your name is not always the greatest thing. I mean, somebody comes to me, I go, you need to go talk to the head coach. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You need to go talk to the head coach. I can't help you with that right there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're looking you for that guy over that there. Guy. Yeah. You need to go talk to Coach Herod over there. He's the guy you yeah. need to go talk to. You don't want to be you know, that guy. No. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I will say, and you better watch out what you wish for, you know, because what you wish for <laughs> may not lie. I mean, and i tell you right now, and this is for me from experience, like, I was at Waycross Middle School, so I was an mm-hmm. athletic director and a head football coach down there. And coaching at that school was almost like coaching at a, at a small Class A school, you know, because the dynamics of being an AD and handling money and doing budgeting and all that stuff like that and raising money for your booster club and all that stuff is one thing. Then you have the football aspect of it. You know, they want you to win. You want to teach them kids how to win. You got to run what you need to run at the high school, and you got to lift weights every day and make sure. And, you know, I don't see, you know, when people take jobs and they say, oh, yeah, he's going to be the head coach and athletic director. As soon as they say athletic director, that's a hot no-go because it is almost impossible to be a good, efficient head football coach and an athletic director, unless you got a good assistant athletic director that can help you out, you know, during football season. Because it's just, and football has become a 12, every sport now has become a 12 month cycle of doing stuff baseball, basketball. If you want to be good, you got to work year round. If you're not working year round, you're not going to be good. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. So, you know, and I tell coaches all the time when you go and interview for jobs, the first thing you better make sure you do is have a good middle school program because if you don't have those kids ready to play when they go to high school and you're having to teach basic fundamental stuff, cause, and I learned this from Frank. When Frank came in and talked to me, he said, look, they need to learn how to lift weights, block, tackle, basic fundamental stuff. And that's what I did. I go and find kids in the school that was not playing or had played or I got them involved. And You know, like Thomas, I tell this story all the time. Thomas wasn't even my quarterback down there. He was a linebacker. I mean, he played linebacker. And then in seventh grade, he was my running back. He got hurt in spring. And so – the guy that was going to be my quarterback didn't show up to practice one day during the summer. And I asked Thomas, I said, Thomas, can you throw the football? He's like, yeah, coach, I can do it. So he went out and started. The rest, rest is history. You know, he – I mean, he's playing now on Saturday, and he's a very good football player. And, you know, and he's 
great kid. I mean, he bought into what we were doing down there. He lifted weights, worked hard, and whatnot. I mean, he now he doesn't like he he lifts better now. Than he did, you know. He to start out with he he didn't he didn't like to lift weights very much, but he he finally decided that if I want to be good, this is what I got to do. Well, so, none of them do when they're young, you know. Oh it takes gosh, a while. You know, the biggest thing <clears> is, and I tell people all the time, that weight room makes or break your program. Even at a young age, you know, if they're lifting weights like, I can tell you right now, um, we never saw a round ball going into the gym. I mean, we were going to lift weights five days a week, every day, and that's what we were going to do, you know. And I, and I, I get amazed. I look at I, on social media, these different little things. And I, this one guy posted on that says, I just don't agree with them lifting weights every single day. Well, you know what? Maybe you don't agree with winning football games. How about that? You know, you, you, them kids got to lift weights. They got to be physically fit, you know. I mean, if you, if you look at us in a state championship game, our kids, we work out six days a week, and he gets after those kids and cramp it. I mean, we – didn't have any kids that cramp at all, you know, and, and they work out and they know when they walk in that weight room, they're going to work out every single day, you know, and it's just, it's the grind. And, but you got to get them to buy into that. You know, every school's not like that. Then they're going to walk, you're going to walk in there and you're going to have kids that's going to buck the system. And, you know, sometimes you got to cut kids loose if they don't want to work you got to get rid of them because in the long run if you keep them around just to win games they're going to kill your program in the long run you know and my one these one just kick a kid off just because i think football is an outlet for a lot of kids to 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 get to another level to be able to better themselves whether they play football or not you know at the next level it helps them in life because there's a lot of life lessons you learn in football. Because trust me, when you're in real life and you got you looking over there, you got seven, eight, you got eight big blue eyes looking at you, expecting you to get up and go to work every day. You know, you you take that football stuff that you learn, you know, from a from a from a physical aspect and from a spiritual aspect of. I got to trust myself and good Lord, he's going to help provide for my family. I just got to get up. I got to go to work. I got to do the things that's necessary. You know, that's, that's what makes him, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough, you know, I work, I work with kids. I work with people now that I've coached or taught in school and they've gone on to be lawyers, doctors, you know, police officers. They've gone on to play college football you know, when I was coaching basketball at Wayne County, those girls that I had, the one thing I did is I put them on a plan. I said, look, you need to make sure whether you go play college basketball or you go find a trade school or something, you need to find something to do with your life. You don't need to just not do nothing. You need to find, you need to have a plan. And so by my second year, those girls, when every one of them girls graduated, they ended up going and doing something. They trade school two-year college or four-year college you know and they did pretty well for themselves you know so that's you know the things you get out of sports and athletics 
is it just goes above and beyond. And you know, we tell you hear the old saying, football ain't for everybody. I mean, you got you got a school that has twelve hundred kids and you only have eighty so there's only eighty kids in the school is able to do that. And that puts them in a fraternity amongst themselves, you know. And that's that's the that's the neat thing about coaching, watching kids grow and mature and you know, I oh my goodness, sometimes I get embarrassed because I go down to Walmart and kid come up to me and say, Hey coach, how you doing? I'm just sitting there thinking, Holy crap, who is that? I mean, you know, I, I remember that kid but I can't remember their name and stuff like that. So and I'm now starting to teach kids kids. So I mean it's starting to it's starting to come around twofold now. So and I look at them kids, I was like, I remember when your when your mom or your daddy was in school, they acted just like that. <laughs> <laughs> they'll come to me and they say, I just don't understand what's wrong with them. I'm like, you better the devil is a lie, you acted just like that in school. Don't you don't you tell me that. You acted the same as that way. I said, you, I said, and you know you did. I said, Kaka. I said, You better you better better stay on them just like your mom and daddy stayed on you, so well, that's it's awesome. It's fun to see. It's fun to see, though. I mean, it's, you know, I, let's see, where was that at? I was I was sitting, I was at, in front of them this past week, and I was talking to a guy, and he asked me, he said, do you ever thought you would, would do something else? You know, would, do you ever go back and you have any regret? And I was like, you know, I go back and I think, I'm like, you know, yeah, I probably could have went and did something you know, because I started out as a biology major, all that stuff, and you know, and, but I just never, ever saw myself sitting in an office or sitting somewhere and just, you know, the same thing from eight to five every single day. And I say I, I just can't. With coaching, it's a challenge. You know, it's how can you win that next game? How can you get that next player to play at the level he needs to play at? You know, and that's. That's and just the relationships that you build with kids is just phenomenal, you know. And the relationships you build with coaches and stuff like that. I mean, that's what's that's what's so great about it is, you know, it's just at the end of the day, would I change anything? No, I would. I think everything that I did, I, you know, I'd do it. If I had it to do all over again, I'd do it the same way. Again. And that's awesome. You've definitely built some great relationships with kids and coaches. And I know, you know, your friendship means the world to me. And um, I hope you know that. And um, I couldn't be happier for you than I am watching you uh, finally getting to experience a state championship this year. And I appreciate you being on. And I'd definitely like to have you on again. And I know we're going to get together at the clinic this year and celebrate again. Yes, sir. And, you know, uh, I, um, I definitely, man, I, pr- I appreciate you and I appreciate what you do for football and coaches because the information that you give and the knowledge that you get, you're even more embedded in the coaching community than what I am, you know, because you, you know even more people. You've gotten involved with Florida and, and, and stuff like that. And, getting to know a lot of those guys down there you know i just i wouldn't give anything in the world for it 
know, I've been very blessed. Good Lord's blessed me tremendously tenfold, you know, to to be able to, to coach and do the things I do. And I, like I said, to, to, to be able to go and win one in, with your son is the most, I just, unless you've been there, you know, like just talking to some coaches where their sons has played, I mean, you just, you just don't, you just don't know them until you've been there. It's just unbelievable. It's real surreal. I, I'll be sitting here a month from now saying, holy crap, did that really happen? Did I really, did we really do that? Well, you really, y'all really did it. And hopefully y'all get to do it again <laughs> before he graduates. I hope so. You know, hopefully he'll bless us again. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we can get our, get back to work. You know, we got to, We'll get back to work next week and start getting things going together and, and everything like that. And like I said, Coach Coach Heron does a phenomenal job and he's got a good staff. And I enjoy working with them guys and and he just our, our staff reminds me of you know those you know Milt used to always talk about having good staffs. You know he had C Wright and Dipper and all them guys like that. And people don't believe it. The head coach is only going to be as good as his assistant coaches and what they do and head coach being involved and doing the things that he needs to do and that's why I enjoy it here as much as I do and I can't be more blessed than to be in the situation that I'm in. Well that's awesome Kevin and I can't wait to see you again. I appreciate you being on and we'll talk to you later. Yes sir and I appreciate it. All right man. <laughs>